0: Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another enthralling episode of Monday Madness on February 7th, 2022. Do you know what is just as important as finding a passion? Finding good people to surround yourself with. People that push you to become a better version of yourself and celebrate your successes rather than growing envious. I believe it was Anthony McDaniels, the CEO of Rare Petro, he once told me that he really just enjoys doing cool things with cool people, and by golly, is he right. I had the pleasure of meeting up with a friend in L.A. that, like myself, has lofty goals for the future. felt good to talk to another person my age about what we want to achieve in our futures and how we plan to work through it. I would like to give a small shout-out to Harrison Van Pelt and his organization, Unveiled Worldwide. They raise funds and give a voice to international communities by connecting different people across the world through the sharing of artwork and stories, and it is phenomenal artwork at that. I definitely encourage you to check out their socials. Again, that's Unveiled Worldwide. What about you, dear listener? Have you surrounded yourself with driven and like-minded people? Go ahead and reach out to those folks and express your gratitude and get regrounded in your goals together. Find that North Star and chase it, baby. But I know you didn't come here to get an overwhelming dose of unbridled enthusiasm. You came here for the biggest statistics and news stories within the world of oil, gas, and energy. We started off with commodity prices. WTI broke through $90 last Thursday and has since stayed above, even peaking at $93 Friday morning. While we are experiencing a healthy amount of the Monday volatility that we have grown used to, it really does seem like the new price floor is at least $90, if not $91. Between the wee hours and 4 and 5 a.m. Central Time, the price dipped below $91, but only for about half of an hour. I am hesitant to make any calls this early in the morning, but I'm confident that we could see sustained $90 prices through the week. I hope you all held some oil positions for a few months back because you would be sitting on an easy little profit. Still, don't let greed consume you we are at a rather important technical test moment for WTI. I would argue that about one year ago was when we reached the first reasonable oil price. Once we got to that $60 price point, everything before that was really a reflection of the world (laughs) gripped by COVID. But from there, that steep upwards trajectory hit $60 and sort of leveled itself out. And you see a much more reasonable, less aggressive, but still upward trend. If you look back at a year-long scale of the price action, you see a rolling pattern on a 4-5 four- to month time frame of big run-ups, a peak, and then a big fall before repeating once again. If you run a line across all of those peaks starting at $65 in March, $75 in July, and $85 in October, that line runs right up to about where we are now as we tease a $95 barrel of WTI. If I had to bet anything on the future, I believe that the price will hit 95 and some world event, whether that's a Russian invasion or another COVID variant, will shock this already very sensitive commodity and send that price back down to, I'd say, $75 if WTI is worth less than Brent, or maybe only down to $80-85 should there be a crossover between WTI and the Brent spread. Natural gas is not nearly as sexy of a story, as it hasn't challenged its peak from the September and October time frame, but it still shows promise. The price was as high as 5 dollars 5 on Wednesday, but has since cratered down to about $4.10 today. Folks, this could easily fall lower than $4 at the end of the day, because a clear floor doesn't exactly exist, and if I had to guess, rock bottom, under current market, and world conditions would be around $3.50, despite it still being winter. I wish there was more to talk about here, but I think you've had enough of my speculation. Next up, the rig count. Another 3 rig gain in the US, bringing the total to 613, which is 221 more rigs than we had this time last year. Normally a 3 rig increase is indicative of very little change, but we have an entirely different story this week. Basin by basin, we see that the Williston absolutely dominated as their rig count increased by 4, which is more than a 10% increase. Otherwise, the Granite Wash, Permian, and Utica each saw a one-rig increase. There were three other basins that lost rigs, but we have to get into the chaotic analysis of each state's net change. Folks, I've been reading into rig count data since, man, I was still enrolled in mines when I started, and I have not seen anything this hectic since then. The amount of change is huge, so I'm going to try and simplify this as much as I possibly can. North Dakota and Texas, plus three. Alaska, plus two. West Virginia and Ohio, plus one. California and Oklahoma, minus one. Louisiana, New Mexico, and Pennsylvania, minus two. Even the offshore category lost two rigs of its own. Now, I totally understand why rigs are going up in North Dakota and Texas, as it's home to some of the best remaining acreage in the United States that is begging to be tapped into at this $90 price point. I just fail to see why rigs are still coming down in places like New Mexico, which also contains part of the Permian. The most likely reason I can think of involves skittish bankers. In the past, the investment would have poured in as people looked to capitalize on this opportunity of high prices. Unfortunately, that burned a lot of people as some of these shale production portfolios have very early and steep declines. At this point, many investors, especially large banks, are asking that the companies instead pay down their debt. That's it. Nothing crazy. No new strategies. Just pay down the debt. Some of them even encourage the companies to hedge into positions that are comparable with last year's prices at and below $70 barrels. I'm sure they're kicking themselves in the foot now, but I think the money will flow if the $90 oil is sustained for more than a month. Still, a net positive for the rig count, and there are plenty of people staying busy. Our last statistic to look at is the inventory report, which you could have read on rarepetro.com. We made some Super Bowl punch and got amped up for the game while simultaneously running some technical analysis on how these inventories are looking and why. Here's the bare bones details if you didn't get the chance to read it. The EIA predicted a build that would be about 1.5 million barrels. This would have continued a two week trend of builds increasing in magnitude, but fortunately, they were wrong. The resulting drawdown was just over 1 million barrels. The API predicted a larger build of 1.3 million barrels, but they too reported a draw, although it was slightly larger than the EIA's, at 1.6 million barrels. This is a surprising reversal for both. Historic trends would suggest a build, and recent weeks would also suggest the same, so why didn't it happen? It is very likely that this is a result of the brent and wti spread growing narrower this encourages international players to buy more american crude as it is cheaper to refine even after shipping across the ocean should the spread get smaller or even reverse we will likely see a large increase in crude exports leading to continued draws if you'd like to learn more about spreads we encourage you to check the article we posted last week and i don't want to dedicate any more time to statistics this week than we have to i'm sure it comes as no surprise but gasoline inventories are up once again. This week, they climbed by 2.1 million barrels and are expected to level out in the next month before continuing downward. Things are starting to get rather concerning when you look at the gas prices. We have built almost 30 million barrels of inventory back since December, but the price still continues to climb. The week-over-week increase is 6.5 cents per gallon. This time last year, gas was only 2.43. While some states got to experience sub-$3 gallons for a short period of time, the new minimum is in Mississippi, where you can find gas for $3.05. Propane continues to ride the fine border of the lower limit, while distillates have fallen even further in supply. The world is seeing many problems related to this. The cost of European distillates continue to rise as global inventories drop. Asia distillates are becoming incredibly expensive as the inventories reach new lows. Things are becoming very tight in this area, and we may have a crisis on our hands soon, smaller than the European energy crisis, but distillates are incredibly useful as chemical solvents or derivatives for diesel and kerosene. Much of the industrial and manufacturing world is dependent on having distillates around, so things could get hairy and more expensive very quickly. We will definitely be revisiting this next week. But that is all I have for the statistics. I know it got a little long-winded this week. I know. Lots of important data and milestones to keep track of. Still, we do have enough time for an interesting development involving, you guessed it, Russia. Only, this story does not involve conflict on the western border, but rather business to the south. Russia and China have officially penned a new long-term sales and purchase agreement of Russian natural gas. This will boost the amount of Russian gas supplies that China receives by about... 10 billion cubic meters annually bringing the new estimated total to around 48 billion cubic meters per year of course this includes plans for expanded pipeline capacities the far eastern route should be completed within three years and this payment will be settled in euros this comes pretty soon after russia's construction of the power of siberia pipeline that also went to china and became operational back in 2019 if anything It shows the strong relationship these two superpowers are forming, while simultaneously allowing Russia to flex its insane natural gas reserves. Should Russia need someone to back it up, especially near its own soils, it would likely be in China's best interest to aid them and ensure that the natural gas keeps flowing. This is all going down while the EU and United States are struggling to locate extra natural gas should Russia decide to use its supply to Europe, or lack thereof, as geopolitical leverage. At this point, Russia is setting up a spread of delicious food on its dinner table, while the rest of the world starves and watches in through the window. Putin and Xi Jinping laugh and eat and show their vast abundance of resources. The EU is growing more desperate as energy prices skyrocket, and it may not be much longer till they strike a deal that Russia would love to benefit from. After all, he who has the gold makes the rules, but he who has abundant energy owns his neighbors. folks. That is all I've got for you today. This one was much more statistics-heavy than the other episodes, so if you want to hear more about current events, especially the European energy crisis, I encourage you to listen to episodes from earlier this year. If you would much rather sit down and read the content, we have you covered as well. www.rarepetro.com is your one-stop shop for all things energy-related. If you don't find what you're looking for, go ahead and send me an email at podcast at rarepetro.com so that we can address it in a future episode or even generate a short periodical around the subject. We love to learn, so no request is too lofty. Again, this has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.